the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. This is Philip Naiman. You can find me all the time on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show. And i got to tell you this, guys. If you are on our Facebook page, groovy. That's awesome. But you're not seeing all the stuff that we're doing. You need to look at the front page of the Facebook page. There's a little blue button that says, Join Group. Click that. It's free. And voila, all of a sudden, you'll see all of our posts, all of our news stories, all of our activities, things that are going on that we want to be involved with, like the uh, CRPA is having a big fundraiser this summer. We're going to be involved with that over at Rahagi's. Uh, They're crawfish boil, actually. So you get to shoot some sporting clays, eat some... Let's just call them micro lobsters because who knows about crawfish, where they've been. But eat some micro lobsters and... uh, (laughs) It's going to be good, but you need to know about this. And the problem is Facebook, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is not exactly a giant Second Amendment fan or Freedom fan. They have changed their algorithms to hide certain things they don't like. And voila, Second Amendment groups, they don't like them. So the only way to get the information when we post it on our Facebook page is to join the group. You'll see every single thing we got there. Plus, if you have some news items that you want me to know about, you can put it on there. It's a great way to communicate. So as long as we have that avenue, let's do it. Also, you can find us on Instagram. So I post there pretty often. But Instagram, just join us at Firing Line Radio Show. And our website is firinglineradio.com. And our podcasts are there. So you see uh, our podcasts are listed there and on iTunes. Lots of ways you can find us. There's no reason to be ignorant. So we have no more ignorant reasons going forward. So Firing Line Radio Show. And one of the things you'll see on our Facebook group is some of the takes I get on reading the news stories. You know, one of the, we're information-based, right? The information-based society. And as I read these news stories, I'm looking for something deeper in the story than just the headline. Now, um, earlier this week, a gentleman by the name of uh, Manuel Fernandez, 60 years old, got arrested in L.A. County. Now, he got arrested in L.A. County because he's a felon. A felon with a firearm. This seems to be a common theme when it comes to crime. In America, in California even, even in L.A. County, San Bernardino County, Riverside County, we have the vast majority of all of our people are extremely 
well-behaved. They do not commit crimes. They do not chase after each other with butcher knives down the hallway. The vast majority of people obey the laws. They respect life. They respect private property. What we have is we have a um, very small subset, almost a super subset. It's so concentrated of people who continually commit felonies. They continually rob everybody. They steal. They destroy. They hurt people. They kill people. It's the same people over and over again. And you're going to see in this particular case why that is. Our criminal justice system is broken, and it's broken to the fact that crime is almost free. It's sad to say that, but it's almost free. So let me just jump into the story for you here. L.A. Times, so obviously a great source, uh, L.A. Sheriff Detectives sees more than 500 firearms from felons' home. Now that should be disturbing, right? Number one, felon is not in jail. Number two... (laughs) He's got he's acquired 500 plus firearms. Now, if he is going to bullseye sports guns and ammo and applying with his identification, he's going to get absolutely rejected. So these are obviously guns he's buying illegally. How do you purchase a gun illegally? You either use a straw person, you get an idiot to buy one for you, as in the case of the um, December 2nd, 2015 terrorist attacks here in San Bernardino County, an idiot bought those AR-15s for those other idiots, uh, the cowards that actually committed the act. So that's one way, or they're bought stolen. And in looking at the photograph of these, I see a lot of older guns, a lot of wood-stocked guns. Not a great uh, resolution picture, possibly SKS or something like that, but just rows of these. There's a lot of firearms here and a lot of pistols. So he acquired 503, 503 firearms. So if if you are a felon in possession of a firearm, that is another felony. So this guy got arrested for possession of 503 firearms. Let me just read down here a little bit for you. Uh, Actually, I'll read a little bit, and then I'll comment on what strikes me as as the criminal act on the part of the LADA. Search of a felon's home here in Agua Dulce led to Los Angeles County Sheriff's investigators to a stash of more than 500 firearms, marking one of the largest seizures from a person forbidden by law from possessing guns. I don't know what his felony was. But investigators raided the home of Manuel Fernandez after getting a tip. He had an arsenal of firearms. After entering the property early Thursday, probably about 4 a.m., they found a staggering number of weapons, including rifles, shotguns, handguns, some of them decades old. Fernandez, age 60, was arrested after the raid, during which investigators found 432 guns. A search the next day uncovered 91 firearms concealed in the house. Investigators also seized electronics used to purchase the weapons. The investigation led detectives to a woman linked to the firearm purchases, a straw woman. Not a a smart one, I say that. While she was not home, detectives recovered 30 guns from her home. The case is a testament to the community's involvement in reducing crime, blah, blah, blah. Sheriff Jim McDonald, who had a farm, said, citing, it is a positive example of a department's see-something-say-something campaign. Baloney. Fernandez was arrested on suspicion of being a felon, suspicion of being a felon in possession of 503 firearms, a felon in possession of ammunition, and possession of large-capacity magazines. His bail was set at $35, $35,000, excuse me. 
$35,000. This is a felon, a convicted felon right now, who just got arrested for 503 more felonies. And some moron, some bumpkiss, DA, idiot, judge, put his bail at $35,000. What does that mean? That means for less than $4,000 cash, this guy's out on the road. Now, do you think if a guy has 503 firearms, purchased illegally, already has a criminal background, what are the chances he might be just supplying things to others? Like, oh, I don't know, cartels, gang members, Cretans, no offense to Cretans, but Cretans of all different types. Um, this guy's not a good guy. And, and think about this. He probably has connections south of the border. I'm just guessing on this, but he probably has connections south of the border if he's involved in that kind of criminal activity. So for $4,000 cash, for $4,000 cash, the DA of LA County let this guy with 503 firearms and if an average price is 500 bucks, you're looking at $250,000 worth of weapons sitting around in his house. He lets he lets this guy go. Now, similar, we had the the ATF did their Fast and Furious program where they're supposed to be tracking firearms. Maybe they're going to say, "Hey, we'll just track this guy and see where he goes so we can arrest more bad guys," but except we forgot how to track him, right? The guy's gone. He's in the wind. Why would you show up? Why would you show up for your criminal court hearing um, with five, when you know they caught you flat cold with 503 new felonies, right? Uh, the DA, Jim McDonald, who is a terrible sheriff for L.A. County, he should be replaced this fall. Those of you in L.A. County, get out there, vote for whoever else is against him because he sucks. They're, they're looking at, at kit gloves, 503 illegal weapons and you can get out of jail for $4,000. I'm stunned. I, I'm looking at my producer Dan through the window here. He's just giggling. He can't believe the idiocy that we're talking about here. It's, it's rampant, isn't it, Dan? Isn't it the judge that puts out the bail? Yeah. 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 So somebody, well, the DA has to ask for it. Now, if I was this DA, I'd say, hey, this guy's a flight risk. He's a felon. He's got 503 new felonies. We can't have him on the streets. Keep him in, incarcerated. So somebody has to decide between the judge and the DA what to ask for bail. $35,000 is an insult to all law-abiding citizens in the state of California. It is an absolute insult. This person should have been put away forever. The, the law has no teeth. When we have a bunch of gummy bear DAs who can't stand up and fight a guy who has 503 new felony counts. It's, it's unbelievable to me. So, folks, we want to, uh, we want to point this out to you. And, and, you know, the L.A. County, the L.A. County Sheriff's race is extremely important, as is Riverside, as is San Bernardino. You want to make sure that you vote for the right guy. Jim McDonald is not it. So anyway, check it out. Firing Line Radio Show. You can find us online at firinglineradio.com. We'll be right back after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. 
As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. It's Boomstick Radio, Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. And you know that every week here on our show, our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights, and all the good stuff afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our faithful and stalwart companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been Firing Line's longtime sponsor, Vince Torres, at Bullseye Sports, Guns, and Ammo in Riverside. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, well... Shame on you. But Bullseye Sport in Riverside is where you need to go for handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much more. After you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend you attend a certified firearm safety and training course. One that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitudes essential to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. So for more information about the certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sports in Riverside, 951-823-0211. That should be number two on your speed dial by now, guys. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes because at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211 or tap the AM590 app and find them that way. Vince has been a great sponsor. He just had a fantastic Father's Day sale. I hope you all were out there saving a ton of money and getting what you wanted for that. Uh, have a surprise today. I wasn't sure we were going to be able to pull this off, but the stars have aligned. Stars aligned. Get that? You will in a second. Stars have aligned because I actually have a, a, a famous movie star who's called in on the line here today. Now, uh, those of you who follow our Facebook or Instagram pages probably see uh, about two weeks ago, I met a couple of gentlemen at uh, J.W. Riley's out here in Redlands. Uh, this was put together by Maglide and, uh, and Lou and a couple other friends. And I got to meet uh, Anthony Stadler and Spencer Stone. And so Spencer's been kind enough to join us on the phone here today. Spencer, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing just fine. Now, Appreciate you having me on. <laughs> I'm glad you called in. So, 
you are a, uh, uh, I say the stars of a line, you just starred in your own movie based upon your own life, which is a rarity in itself. And that movie happens to be, I'll let you drum roll out the title here. The movie you starred in was? The 1517 to Paris. And 1517 means what? The train name? That, that is our, uh, our train time, that, well, the time of departure. Exactly. And so, 1517 to Paris. So those of you who don't remember, this was 2015, the actual event? Uh, yeah, August 21st, 2015. Jesus, my daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, not 15, but yeah. Um, August 21st, 2015, you're traveling uh, from Amsterdam and heading through Paris, not even that you planned on going to Paris, but something happened that was ended up being a life-changing event. Why don't you just give us a general roundabout for that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, me and my friends, uh, Anthony and Alec, we were doing this big kind of European tour. Uh, we were leaving Amsterdam. How old are you guys? Or were you at, then? At this point, we were 23. We were all 23. Um, and... Uh, and so we're, you know, we're leaving Amsterdam at this point. We're having, you know, like the time of our lives. And you were hungover? Uh, we, a, little, a little hungover. You know, we're on vacation. What do you expect? Even uh, Amsterdam, how are you not? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we, you know, we get on the train and um, we actually, we, so we originally had first class tickets. Uh, but when we were getting on the train, there was an elderly couple that asked us to help them, you know, with their luggage and things like that. So they said, okay, you know, sure, no problem. Uh, we brought them on the train. And, uh, you know, it, depending on which train you're on, the first class doesn't really differ much. Uh, but sometimes it could be really nice. And so we originally, you know, saw this kind of section and we said, oh, okay, you know, why not? Let's just sit over here. This looks fine. Um, and so we were on a completely different part of the train uh, than we were actually assigned to. And uh, so a little time goes by, and of course, us uh, being somewhat of a millennials, I guess, uh, we uh, aren't getting the best Wi-Fi. So uh, I make the mission to uh, go check out first class and see if they have some better Wi-Fi. My friends hang back. I go up there. Everything looks look much nicer. That's that's the difference between millennials because <laughs> old guys like me is like, hey, what's the seat like? I want to go check out the yeah. seat in first class. I don't care about the Wi-Fi. You're willing yeah, to right. sit on a bucket <laughs> if the Wi-Fi is better. If the Wi-Fi is better, we will make sacrifices. <laughs> but uh, so I go out there. You know, everything looks much nicer. The seats, of course. Uh, that's why it's first class? The, the Wi-Fi. It's you know they're they're handing out wine and sandwiches. We got there just in time. So I, I, I go back in my friends. We move up. Uh, we settle in, and uh, kind of as we're going up there, we uh, we pass through Brussels, uh, which is where the a man uh, named by the uh, named his, by his name. Uh, his name is wait, his, no his name. Okay, he's a terrorist. Mm-hmm. His name is Coward. That's it. That's coward, his only recognition. The yeah, cheese bag coward, pork eating coward. He's a pork eating coward. Got on the on the train. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he gets on the train, and he gets on. He has an AK forty seven, uh, nearly three hundred rounds of ammunition, a nine mil Luger, uh, a box cutter, uh, a can of lighter fluid, a hammer, 
um, and he goes into the bathroom, uh, and he, you know, is basically preparing his attack. He's on his cell phone watching extremist videos, uh, beheading, shootings, things like that to get himself pumped up. So it's terrorist, and, terrorist porn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So uh, let me ask this question. Now, I, I... Go ahead. My wife and I traveled. You know, we did the, the trains from all through through Europe, but most of them had metal detectors. Do they not have that in Brussels? Uh, that was in place because, uh, well, I mean, maybe maybe in other places, but I know they put it specifically in Amsterdam because of our event, uh, but they did not have metal detectors when we were there. But in Paris, if you're getting on a plane in, or a train in Paris, you are... They do all kinds of stuff. So he. Oh, they do. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's more intense than getting on an airplane, in my opinion. Now, right. Uh, so, but, so he, yeah. but he jumped up the line and got into the Paris train system because they didn't. Well, he got. Yeah, he, he got in uh, through Brussels, but at the time the security was much lower. I don't know when. When did you go and experience the train security? Uh, fourteen and fifteen. We were there, but fourteen and fifteen. But in Paris, okay. it was it was tight. Is all I'm saying. So I didn't. Having not gone to Brussels on the train, obviously they he scouted it out, and it was he could bring all his metal toys in through Brussels, heading towards Paris. Exactly. Yeah, uh, it was just easy access for him, and he could have done that in several other locations. But I think the main terrorist cell was in Brussels. Uh, There's been a lot which, of terrorist cells come out of Brussels and Belgium. Yeah, so I'll you know cut to the end for this part, but uh, long story short, Ayub, the terrorist coward, um, he was connected to the uh, Bataclan theater attack uh, in Paris. Uh, he was connected to the Brussels airport bombing. Um, so he was, you know, confirmed ISIS, uh, linked to those guys and actually grew up with them, uh, in Morocco. Uh, and that's where, you know, he, he came from. Uh, and, and Bataclan, so, the Bataclan attack was what, 135 people died? Yeah. Around that. Yeah. Yeah. A serious, it was serious just attacks. about a month and a half after our attack. Jeez. Um, but. Yeah, so pretty horrible. But, I mean, they were connected to dogs. Obviously, a pretty legitimate group of, of terrorists. Uh, so, he, so, cut to now, we are, you know, we're, we're in our correct assigned seating, and uh, I use in the bathroom. He's, he's getting ready to go. Um, there's two men outside the bathroom waiting to go by the name of Mark McGallion, who plays a big role in this. And number two, uh, we call him Damien. Uh, he chooses to remain anonymous. He just doesn't really want anything to do with the story. And he lives in Paris, and he's fierce for his life and type thing. Uh, so we call him Damien. Uh, there, Ayub comes out of the bathroom shirtless with the AK, backpack strapped to the front of him, uh, unzipped a little bit so he can grab his magazines. Um, and they immediately engage uh, each other. Uh, Damien grabbed him by the throat, not really knowing what else to do. Mark uh, actually was able to rip the AK out of his hand and uh, bring it. He, you know, this is the first time he has held a gun, really, ever. Uh, he moved, He's a, uh, born in uh, Virginia, but moved to Paris when he was about 18 with about $200 in his pocket. Uh, and... So he, he grabs the AK and he says, you know, to himself, well, I'm just going to get it away from him. He runs into our train car. Okay, I'm going uh, to pause it right here. 
for Go dramatic ahead. effect. We have 30 seconds to the end of this session here. So what do we have? We have a loaded AK-47, a terrorist with a backpack on, a train traveling 90 miles an hour down the tracks from... Uh, 200 miles an hour. Yeah. There you go. Well, turn. And we got Mark running into our train car with the AK now. Okay, and this is where we're at, guys. And so here's Spencer having his glass of red wine, got his headphones on, probably listening to some disgusting rap kind of music. But he's hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> he's hanging out there the millennial music. Yuck. We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up on the other side right after this. Are you an expert marksman looking for a clean, safe place to shoot? Or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn? Well, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range is the best place to work on your shooting skills, no matter what your experience level is. With 21,000 square feet of indoor range space, 35 shooting lanes, and an electronic target retrieval system, it means no line breaks and more trigger time. The friendly people at Riverside Indoor Shooting Range can answer all your questions about firearms training, self-defense training, firearm rentals, gunsmithing, archery, and and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! That's right, folks. It's Mulan Labe Saturday. Hey, I am spending this Saturday here with Spencer Stone. Now, you just heard this last segment with him. I'll, I'll rebrief that since we had a commercial break. Spencer Stone, um, just an average California guy, grows up in, in uh, Northern California, and he's on a, a trip with his friends in Paris. You know, those of you who haven't seen the movie 1517, it's not in theaters now, but you can get it at Redbox, right? Or it'll probably be on you Netflix. Can, uh, yeah, if you're on a, if you're on a plane, uh you can rent it on uh on TV now and on demand and things like that. All right, so you need to keep doing this so he doesn't have to get another job, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you don't, you're not American. <laughs> This is an American show, so you want to see this because, and we'll, we'll talk more about the about um, the mindset going going into this. But as we just broke, okay, Spencer's sitting in a first class. He's had his glass of red wine. He's got his headset on. I besmirched him. I said he's probably listening to some rap junk, but he's he was actually listening to an R and B artist, right? Which much much better, I guess. <laughs> so you're sleeping. Yes. And, so uh, and Mark McGallan comes running in with an AK-47 in his hands. Yeah. So the way the train uh, seating is, is I'm I'm sitting in the aisle seat. To the left of me, against the window, is Alec, uh, and he's on his phone. So I'm asleep. But also across the aisle, there's a single seat uh, where Anthony is also sleeping. So yeah, Mark grabs the AK. He's running into our train car. The terrorist is able to actually knock out uh, Damien, uh, who was fighting with him earlier. <laughs> he pulls out uh, his Luger. As he pulls out the Luger, uh, he drops and fumbles the magazine out of it. Um, and then he points at Mark, shoots, pulls the trigger, boom. Bullet hits Mark in the upper back, upper left shoulder. 
uh, bounces around his rib cage, breaks two ribs, collapses his left lung, comes up and exits out of his uh, the left side of his neck. And the bullet then goes across the train, flies over me and Alex's heads, and breaks this uh, emergency this glass to emergency hammer uh, that was uh, sitting in front of us. And uh, that got but, your attention. You know, obviously, yeah, well, actually, what I got our attention, there was a train employee that sprinted down the aisle uh, in between us towards the front of the train, and that, that commotion woke me up. So was, was he sprinting towards the bad guy or away from the bad guy? Uh, away from the bad guy. Um, and so he he's running away. That commotion wakes me and Anthony up, and we both look at each other and go, you know, what the heck is that? Why is he running like that? I take my headphones off, and this, this is how good Bo's headphones are. You can't even hear a gunshot or what's going on around you. Uh, <laughs> I take my, my headphones off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, screw Tom Brady. Um, but so I take, take the headphones off, uh, and I, I turn around, and I'm hearing glass breaking people scream. First thing I see is terrorists uh, bending down, picking up the AK-47 off the ground from where Mark dropped it, and then just just racking around into the chamber. And we just was like, you know, clear as day what was going on. Uh, you know, who's, who's shirtless with a backpack strapped full of ammunition and AK-47 on a train? A terrorist. You know, there was no question of, like, what he was about to do. Um, and so we recognized he, he wasn't a dis, he wasn't a disgruntled worker. That's what they call him in California. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean maybe, but uh, he he you know racks around in the chamber, and I basically it looks like he either short stroked it and jammed it, or the, maybe the safety was on or something. It looked like he was just having some difficulty with the AK and I'm, you know, very familiar with firearms. So is Alec and Anthony. Uh, and so I just looked at him. I was just like, well, this is our moment. You know, we got to go right now. Uh, otherwise we're going to, you know, sit here and get executed. Yeah. If he solves, or, if he, if he solves his failure, you're in trouble. Yeah. Or, or we're going to have to wait till he reloads. And so I just pretty much, you know, Alec hits me on the shoulder and says, go Spencer. Uh, so that's that was, that was nice of it, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I gotta get, yeah, you go, you go, be the shield, be the shield. Uh, so uh, I run, I, you know, I take off down the aisle and I'm running at him. Uh, you know, it turns out he didn't jam it. Uh, and he points, points the AK at me, pulls the trigger, but it's a bad primer. Uh, and it, so it's faulty ammunition. Uh, I think it was actually was using like Chinese. Gotta love that Turkish Chinese stuff, man. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, And so pulls the trigger. That gives me enough time to basically get to him. And uh, I tackle him. He kind of slaps me in the face with the AK as I tackle him. Yeah, so I can't see anything out of the left my left eye anymore. Uh, And but luckily, uh, a year before this. uh, I had actually gotten heavily involved in jujitsu, and I think that was also, you know, obviously my knowledge of firearms and being able to understand what was going on, but also having taken jujitsu, I had the confidence knowing that if I could just get up in this guy's face, I could actually do something, you know, because it's At one thing to tackle up, yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah it's, one, well, it's one thing to tackle someone, you know, anyone can tackle someone. 
But when you get there and you're up in the guy's face, what are you going to do next? You know? And uh, so I had that to rely on. I think that backpack would work good for a cross-collar choke, I'm just thinking. (laughs) The old backpack fell off. Uh, Ah. And uh, so, boom, we hit each other. We're on the ground now. Uh, I'm trying to grab the AK from him. He, He seems like he's taking it away from me. Uh, we both stand up and I just immediately go to jujitsu and I put, put him in a rear naked choke and then, uh, well, at least got on his back and then slammed ourselves, uh, against the right side of the train. And now I'm kind of stuck in between, uh, a, uh, a seat in a hard place, seat and a, and a table. Yeah. And this kind of narrow little, 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 little gap. And, uh, then, uh, he pulls out the pistol that he just shot, uh, Mark with, but, we all know that he fumbled the magazine out of it earlier and used the only round he had in the chamber. Uh, puts the handgun back uh, against my head and pulls the trigger. doesn't go off. Um, just like, oh, my gosh. You know, God is really looking out for me. And then at, at pretty much as soon as that happens, Alec, uh, Alec arrives. Uh, and he pries the handgun away from him uh, and starts to hit him in the face with it. Um and then, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we took his, we took his AK, we took his pistol. He sure doesn't have anything else. Uh, then out of nowhere, I, I kind of feel this slight burn on the back of my neck. And then I look over at my left thumb and it's hanging halfway off and I can see it cut down to the bone. And so he had severed my tendon and nerve in my thumb. And I look over his shoulder and I see him swinging around this box cutter blade. It's one of those kind of like more disposable ones that you can uh, pull out about six or seven inches or so. Jeez. And uh, so he's been basically, you know, cutting at me. He was trying to slit my throat. Uh, so I had two long uh, slashes on the back of my neck. Um, and so I scream, hey, he's got a knife. He's got a knife. Get him off me. I, I push him off me uh, into the middle of the aisle. Uh, me, Alec, and Anthony at this point are all surrounding him. Uh, and so we just start punching him, kicking him, doing whatever we can. He drops the box cutter uh, uh, from getting hit, and then he's either pushed or shoved into me, and I use his momentum. I throw him over his table. Alec grabs the pistol, uh, cocks it, tells him, stop resisting, stop resisting. You know, he's, he's still flailing all over the place. We're all on top of him uh, with our body weight trying to keep him down. So, you know, we just said, hey, this guy, and, you know, in, in the moment, this guy just tried to kill us multiple times. Look at me right now. I'm bleeding everywhere. Shoot this guy. Uh, and the gun went Alex, click. You know, <laughs> yeah, gun went click. He cocked it again, click. That's when he looked and realized there was nothing in it. He chucked it just to get it out of the situation. Uh, and then I just said, okay, come here. And then I threw him in another chokehold. Uh, and then I was finally able to choke him unconscious. Uh, but so, you know, at this point, okay, I have him against the other side of the train. He's unconscious. Now I'm seeing absolute red. Uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm just going to kill this guy. Uh, and, uh, then out of nowhere, Alec and Anthony yell out, Hey, this guy's been hit. And cause I had no idea Mark had been shot at all. Right. And, uh, I look over, uh, you know, the seats. As soon as I look over the seats, I see him standing in the middle of the aisle, Literally spewing blood out of his neck, uh, oh. and then he collapses. And I just said, "Okay, like you know, today's your lucky day, buddy." And I throw him down on the ground, and say, "Hey, make sure he doesn't wake up. Tie him up, do something." That's when that Britishman by the name of Chris Norman comes over, 
takes a couple of train employees, ties, and they finally came back. Uh, and they tie, they, what, what, they, they were They were French employees? Uh, yeah, so I'm yeah, sure okay. there were several different nationalities. They have French train company. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and so then they, they hogtie him, uh, the terrorist. Right. And then, you know, luckily I had been, uh, at the time, trained as, trained as a medic. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to stop yeah. right here. We're going to pick it up. And, Go ahead. And just because you were the first responder here, and that's what we want to drive home for people. So, uh, yeah. Spencer, I'm going to, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Spencer Stone, uh, 1517 to Paris, rent the movie. Uh, because you just heard the synopsis right now, but you want to see this. We'll be right back, firinglineradio.com. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey, finally. Finally, folks, you're being entertained, but not by me, but by my guest here, Spencer Stone. He's the star um, and hero, all-American hero um, for actions overseas. And his buddies, Anthony Sadler and Alex Scarlatos, these are the gentlemen who saved, I'm going to say, at least 100 lives. At least 100 lives on this train, because you think about it, there's not a defensive way to get in and, and handle this situation. So they stopped a terrorist attack in its beginning stages uh, on a train from Belgium to Paris and you know we're talking about the story of what what happened not only were they able to stop the terrorist and hopefully you know he still has a busted jaw and is uh, eating food out of a straw and maybe his arms don't work anymore that's okay with me too you know so <laughs> hopefully your jujitsu jujitsued him um, <clears throat> and I'm okay with that so but you also had to save a life because uh, Mark McGillan was shot in the back and a bullet comes out of his neck and he's hemorrhaging right there. And, and again, you can't trains in between stations have to get to the next place. And I guess they kept their, their speed up, right? They didn't stop. They booked it to the next well, station. Someone, someone actually uh, pulled the emergency stop uh, to the train. And so that stopped the train like for a few minutes, but we got the train moving again. But from the point where the attack happened until when we reached the next train station, it was a little over 30 minutes. So Holy quite a cow. While. Yeah. And so... Uh, go ahead. So, so, well, no, you go ahead. It's your story. Yeah, so, uh, so at this point, right, uh, Mark's bleeding, and uh, I was a medic in the Air Force. Uh, but also, you know, take 
take into consideration. Although I was a medic, uh, I only had worked in really a pediatric clinic uh, before this. So I, all I did ever did was hand out. So if Mark was and lollipop, if if Mark and, uh, if Mark was giving birth, you'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, you know, I, I, I go over to him, not sure, not really too sure that I'm actually going to be able to help him in any type of way. But uh, you know, I got to try. Uh, so I have my training for. And I go over, I, I take my shirt off because I was going to initially use that as a bandage to hold pressure with. Uh, but then once I saw that there was pressure behind his wound, I knew it was his, his artery. And so I basically threw my shirt down, stuck my fingers in his neck, uh, and then I could feel the artery like moving around in there, pulsating. And then I just grabbed it, pinched it, and the blood flow just completely stopped. And then from there, I was trying to keep him awake, keep him alert, talking to him, you know, asking him what his name was, where he's from. I found out he's, he's an American. He speaks English. Uh, and, you know, I was, you know, telling them, hey, buddy, you know, we're going to be, you're going to be fine. I'm, I'm a little cut up, too. You know, you're not the only one hurt here. We're going to get through this together. Uh, we're going to the next train station and get you some help. Uh, we're going to get some beers after this. And, and the problem was he's beer. drinking beers and it keeps going out the side of his neck like the cartoons. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then at, at, even at one point, which I kind of think is hilarious, uh, thinking back on it, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, when I got over to him, he was, you know, laying in a pool with no blood. And so I figured even though I was able to stop bleeding, he'd been bleeding out of his carotid artery for almost two minutes now. And so I was thinking he was going to not make it to right. the next train station. And so I said, hey, man, do you want to say a prayer? And he goes, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, I saw that in the movie. Well, that That was... Wow. That that's the yeah, the dialogue between me and Mark will will the entire train scene. Uh I mean everything that happened in that scene uh and all the dialogue that was said was all the things we actually said in real life. I mean, especially between me and Mark. Wow. So, you know, at the end of the at the end of this and even through the whole through the whole movie, you know, faith is woven into it. So at the very end, you're sitting in a, uh, oh, by the way, folks, I, I don't want this to be a spoiler alert, but Spencer lived. So, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, if you haven't figured that one out yet, you shouldn't be listening to my show. So um, <laughs> Spencer lived and, and he saved Mark's life. You know, that that's an awesome thing, too. Um, but on on top of that, you're sitting down at the very end of the, in the movie you know, um, when I met you and, and your buddy Anthony, I first question I asked him, I said, okay, it's all over, it's done. You look at each other, what did you guys say? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you said you, you almost laughed. It was uh, kind of a, a, such a surreal thing that had just happened that mm-hmm. you had no other thing. But, but talk to me about how your faith walked you through this. Yeah, you know, um, and it, it's hard to say that, like, in the moment, I was exactly like, you know, thinking of God, but I know in hindsight, looking back on it and just going through a lot of different thought processes and just really just dealing with the event that happened to us in general, uh, I, it almost seems like our whole entire lives were a preparation for this exact moment. And, you know, being a man of faith, someone who, you know, I'm not perfect, obviously, um, but 
and I and I believe I uh, well at least I operate more uh, on a, a a personal relationship uh, with God. I pray and I read my Bible and things like that. I'm not exactly such a, a churchgoer, um, and so I I guess you know if I if speaking in hindsight I. I would say I got up and I charged the guy because at the end of the day, I know that no matter what happens to me, I know where I'm going. Uh, and, you know, and I wouldn't be able to sit there. And it, even if there was a, you know, a route to take where I could leave and I could survive, at least I could secure my own survival. Um, even if I had done that and then found out later that hundreds of people had died and I had a moment and I didn't do anything. I don't think I'd be able to live with myself. Um, And so I think I had no option, uh, but to rush him because it would have totally conflicted with who I am as a person and my morals and, and my faith. Um, and it almost seems like, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. Um, and it almost seems like, you know, in that moment, I would say uh, that I was almost like a vessel used by God to do His work, um, and that's all it was. But it was a choice at the at, at the same time uh, that I had to make um, whether I wanted to be used by Him or not, and that's really kind of my goal. I mean, in in this post life I have uh, post attack, um, is that you know I just hope that I can keep continuing to be used by God as a vessel to do, you know, his work really. That's really what I believe I'm here for. And so some of the things you're doing now, um, post attack and post movie is you're doing, uh, promoting your speaking engagements. You're talking to different groups. And I think one of the things you talk about the most, and we have harped on it for the six years we've been doing this show. You as a victim of a crime, are the first responder. People always Absolutely. say, "Oh, we need to uh, we need to do this for our first responders." Well, they're talking about the police officers or paramedics or whatever. No, you, the person on the scene, you are the first responder. Is, and I believe here in free America, well, actually, we're we're recording this in the People's Republic of Occupied California, but I can see free America from here. Um, <laughs> here, it's our responsibility as men and and freedom-loving people to make sure you're ready for that. And, you know, whether it's if you have to shield your family for something because you don't have a firearm on you, that's that's a terrible thing. Get your CCW, get trained, you know, have your head on a swivel. You know, first aid, The this man's life was saved. And he was the only injury, right, it Was was Mark Magellan? Yes. His life was saved because you knew what to do. You knew to grab that carotid artery and, and pinch it shut and uh, probably gave him a headache, but you know, it saved his life. <laughs> and and it's important on that. And that's what I want to thank you for is just the fact that, you know, the way you've lived your life has been awesome and, and you guys stepped up and did the right thing at the right time because for such a time as these, right, that's why you were there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and yeah. you heard the call and, and you, you made the play and it's exactly was the best and that's why that's why you got to hang out with clint eastwood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, he produced exactly. your movie and and uh, stuff so so your whole your whole reward on this was you got to hang out with clint eastwood by the way i heard he he just turned 88 is that right 
Yeah, just turned 88, and he's, he's still going strong. I think he's going to live well well over 100. So you know he why he's a machine. You know why he's 88? Why? Because that's two forty fours. That's why he's eighty eight. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fit that in there, man. I had to. You had to. You had to. Spencer, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, if, yeah, if you want to get in contact uh, with me personally uh, on my Instagram, uh, my handle is Spencer J Stone. Spencer J Stone. Thank you very much for what you've done. Thanks for being an awesome guy, and thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. God bless. God bless you. Shoot, Felipe! Shoot! When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.